Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, today we've got a great episode about what do you do when you have a rock star who stops being a rock star? What about when you have someone who's great and then they just stop being great? What about somebody who is super positive and then they just stop being positive and start being negative? What do you do about that? That's what we're talking about. Before we get into the episode, I want to say, if you're going to be in Orlando next week at the VMX conference, if you see me or Stephanie, come and say hi. We'd love to know that you listen to the podcast, um, especially if you like it. If, if you don't like the podcast, maybe just don't mention that part to us. That would be okay. But we'd still, we would even say hi to you and, and be happy to see you if you wanted to come and talk to us, even though you don't like the podcast. That would be okay. We're still happy to make friends. So Stephanie and I will be around at VMX. Uh, we are always up for saying hi and talking to people. And uh, just come in. If you see us, uh, come say hi. We uh, we are totally up for photos. I am totally volunteering Stephanie for photos. I love taking photos with people. Stephanie uh, may be a little bit shy, but I am just going to go ahead and volunteer her and be like, she'll take a picture with you. Just take a picture with Stephanie Goss. And uh, and she will love it. So. <laughs> so that's what's going on in Orlando. We'd love to see you come and say hi. Gang, if you're a practice owner, the Uncharted Practice Owner Summit is coming in June. It's a, That's right. It's a POS coming in June. That's what we've got. It's going to be in Des Moines. It's our first ever Practice Owner Summit. And it's not a conference. It's a summit. We are going to have some programming that is pre-planned, but most of it is going to be um, our Choose Your Own Adventure sessions, discussion sessions, panel sessions, things that are for the people who are there. Guys, we're capping this thing at 40 practice owners. So uh, 40 practice owners. And we've only got four spots left. And so you can be one of the lucky four that comes, but you got to do this now. So only four spots left, and the thing is in June. So it, it is going to be sold out, and probably after I make this podcast, probably this week it will sell out. So anyway, grab a spot. Uh, if you have not yet, just become an Uncharted member and grab your spot in the POS, and we will see you there. But if you are a practice owner... There's not anything else like this out there. I don't think it's going to be really something special. And you'll be at the very beginning of something that's probably going to be around for a long time and very cool. So definitely do that. In April is our Uncharted Conference, the granddaddy of all the marketing and strategy conference here in my hometown, Greenville, South Carolina. All the speakers are in. All the stuff is set. Uh, Dr. Betsy Charles is going to be our keynote speaker. It's going to be fantastic. We are running the full-on Uncharted experience gang. We have less than 40 spots left, and the price of registration is going to increase next month. If you've been putting it off, I know how it is with the holidays, and you're trying to save some money, and you know it feels like we're spending a lot of money on things, and you're like, I don't know if I can spend on this. Well, now we're past that. It's January. It's time for the new year and the new you and the new practice, and it is time to get into Uncharted and get to this conference to get energized, uh, supported, picked up, guided, inspired, motivated, and all those things. So head on over to UnchartedVet.com and grab your April registration. You do not want to miss this. It is going to be fantastic. And like I said, prices are going to increase next month, so don't let that happen to you. Gang, (gasps) that's enough from me. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me. And Stephanie, you've lost that love and feeling, Goss. <laughs> Steph- How's it going, Andy? It's not. It's not good. It's, <laughs> it's time for these kids to go back to school. Oh uh, yeah. Uh huh. 
I feel there's, you. I there's feel no you. excuse for them having two weeks off. <laughs> and they have, they have got to go because I am at the end of my rope. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I I feel you. I feel you there. I I I have successfully avoided taking them to the clinic with me for about half of the days they've been off. But uh, they they've been to the clinic multiple times, and I'm like, oh, for the love of God, can you just go back to school? <laughs> oh, I I have had a rough run of Christmas breaks in the last couple of years. Like they have just generally not gone well for me. <laughs> this was no different. Uh, Santa Claus brought brought me the flu. Um, oh. and so I, <laughs> I have been flat on my back for a solid week. I got the flu shot. I always get the flu shot and I always get the flu and it is so frustrating. This year, the flu shot hurt. My arm was numb for a couple of days. It hurt. Oh. And I still got the flu and I'm really frustrated about it. <laughs> and so there I am. And it's, it's holiday break week. And I am, I mean, I, guys, I, I was bad. I, I did not get out of bed for like multiple days. I yeah. did not leave the air. I didn't want to get the family messed up. And my wife was really struggling because the kids are, you know, they're fighting with each other and they're doing the awful like cabin fever thing. And it's cold and it's raining and they're doing the cabin fever thing. And she's dealing with all the holiday mayhem and like relatives trying to visit and things like that. And her husband is completely knocked out and <laughs> and it made it worse because she would walk in and i would either be sound asleep which is all that she wanted to do or uh -huh. i'm watching netflix or i'm reading a book that i got for christmas and it honestly looked quite luxurious i'm sure from the outside like <laughs> right. you know what i mean right. honey would you bring me some water i'm watching netflix you know like that's what and so she was, um, it didn't take long and she was trying not to be resentful of me, but she was frustrated uh -huh. and I get it. And of course I felt awful, you know, right. it's like, I'm sick. Right. I feel terrible. And the fact that you're frustrated is making this worse for me. You know what I mean? Right. But I, but I totally get it. And it was just, it was kind of entertaining to watch her fight with her emotions. Like I'm not angry at you for being sick. But I'm <laughs> but I want frustrated to right <laughs> that my partner is not able to help me. Yeah. And I totally I get that. If the roles were reversed, I, I think I would have felt the exact same way. So it was, it's been a tense time and it is just, it's time for children to go back to school and it's time yeah. for us to get this 2020 thing just rolling. Yeah. I'm super excited for 2020. It's going to, it's going to be a, a fresh new year. It is. I'm leaving the old year behind. I um, I am in the doghouse, but I'm coming out. Um, I I was God, what did you do? I was listening to our last <laughs> podcast, and I was listening, and I had my headphones plugged into my laptop, and I was listening uh -huh. to the the one that just came out. Uh, the, so as we're recording this, it was just a day ago, and um, I my wife walked into the room, and I didn't think much about it, so I just went ahead and unplugged my headphones, and then my own voice comes out of the laptop because that's what uh, I had on. And of course it was me going, and then this crazy woman who I'm married to comes out of the shower with the body wash. And that was what she heard when I unplugged the headphones. And this is after right. me being flat on my back for a week. Right. And guys, it is, it is a miracle that I am alive to talk to you today. Oh God. I can just, I can just 
imagine. Oh, buddy. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was like the worst. It was, it was, I was totally busted. You know, like it's, it's, it's like when, if you're at work and your boss comes in and you're watching YouTube videos or something, which right. no one should do. Right. Never. Never <laughs> has happened to any of them. But if that did happen, it would be like that. Except you're in the YouTube video doing the thing that you shouldn't be watching. That was the experience that I had. Uh, what was uh, her reaction? Because I'm imagining her face in my head right now, and it's pretty priceless. Oh, yeah. She, she legit got upset. Which I under, <laughs> She was like, is this, you put this into the world. Right. You're, telling, to you're telling stories. Yeah. And telling stories and you ma- and making me look bad. And that's what she thought. And I said, I didn't know what else to say. So, so I turned it back on and let her listen to me tell the story of me with the wet vac vacuuming <laughs> the office right. and covering it in dusk and giving myself emphysema and Jamie uh, refusing <laughs> to work in there for a day or two. And she was like, oh... I look like less of an idiot than you. And I'm like, yeah, see, I would never make you look worse than me. Oh God. (laughs) And then it was magically. Okay. Like as long as I look worse. Right. (laughs) Which I think is generally a rule of marriage for men. (laughs) It's like always look worse. Oh my God. That's, that's pretty fantastic. She's she's pretty awesome. She bounced, yeah. She bounced right back when she was like, "Oh, okay. As long as they know you're like an idiot, them. they can hear your stories about me." Oh man, I, I, I love I love her to death. I oh, love my wife. Me. That's so awesome. like, <laughs> How how are things at your house? And when, then we should actually talk about the what we came to talk here about right. people. Um, <laughs> they're like, oh, okay, guys, when are you when are you gonna get to the get to the story? Today's one is a good one. I'm I'm excited about this. Um, things are things are good here. It's it's busy end of the year. Speaking of um stories about being giant dum dums, so you know it's the year end and um you're getting all the year end tasks done. And I'm pretty, <laughs> as some of our listeners may have figured out by now, I'm pretty anal and I have a routine and I have a schedule for things that get done certain time frames during the year. One of the tasks that I learned about was at the end of the year, you have to order baby tags for the next year. Um, and I learned this the hard way because uh, my team, I didn't know, and there was no list at the time. And so like three or maybe even four months into the new year, someone finally told me, hey, we finally ran out of the prior year's tags, can you order us some new ones? And I was like, wait, what? So we spent three or four months using the old rabies tags. So not only did I have to order them and then wait for them to come in, but then we had to go back and reissue three or four months worth of tags. So I learned a really hard lesson. And so ever since then, I've been super anal about it. It's on a to-do list. It gets done in July. As soon as the (laughs) option to order them comes out, I do it. Um, and so yesterday morning I walk in and I'm like, Hey guys, how's it going? Said hi to everybody. Um, and then I asked the girls up front, I was like, Hey guys, did you swap out for the new 2020 rabies tags? Cause let's not forget to do that. And they were like, oh, okay, where are they? And I was like, well, they would have come in like, you know, August or September. So where'd you put them? And they're like, Oh yeah, I think I remember seeing them. Let's look here. So we start looking around, don't find them downstairs. And they're like, maybe we put them upstairs. Cause we have a storage room upstairs at the clinic. And I said, Oh, good call. I'll go up there. 
So I go up there and I'm searching and there's no rabies tags. So, <laughs> so <laughs> um, as it turns out, I am actually not a crazy person. Uh, I did submit an order for, for rabies tags in July, but there was a slight problem with the order and it never actually got submitted to the manufacturer. Um, okay. And so we have no 2020 rabies tags. Oh no. <laughs> so, and so I had to redo the process and submit it yesterday to, to the manufacturer. And so it'll be another few weeks. So um, that was the start to the new year yesterday was to, to be able to tell everybody, oh, just kidding. We don't have new rabies tags. So uh, let's come up with a plan real quick for the next couple of weeks. And I will once again be mailing rabies tags to, <laughs> to all of our clients. So, um, you know, uh, we all, we all have dumb, dumb moments. We all, we all, we all have times where things go sideways. And yesterday was one of those mornings for me. I, I have to keep reminding myself that, uh, the first part of the year is wildly stressful. Yeah. And I just, just, I just say in all seriousness, honestly, if you're hearing this, remember that the first of the year is wildly stressful. There are all these bills that come due. I always feel like I am hemorrhaging money and, I, you know, and I'm going to go broke and I just get hit with a ton of expenses of just I, I, everything that you do that builds you at the, at the start of the year all comes together. And so I just, it's an expensive month. It's right after the holidays. So I'm already feeling a little bit broke. It's just a stressful time. I just, just point that out. I, I feel like it's totally manageable as long as you remember this too shall pass. This is just how the year feels when it starts and then we're into it. And so just be okay if you feel overwhelmed and just know that that happens every year. You're going to be fine. This will pass. Yep. Yep. And I, I deal with that. Um, by you know just making making yourself a list and just work your way down down the list because there's no point in getting panicked about all of the things that you cannot control and that uh <laughs> for me yesterday that was not having rabies tags <laughs> for you <laughs> for you that's having your wife <laughs> think that you're a big dum-dum <laughs> yeah. yelling at you <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that's not a once a year thing uh on the tag. All right, let's, <laughs> oh my God. Let, let's do this episode. What the heck are we talking about? Oh man, I'm excited about this one. So um, we had uh, we had a question come up in the Uncharted Online community. And um, we had someone who was asking for help in how to manage their team. And so the question was, they have, a relatively good employee. Um, it's someone who works at the front desk but has cross-training, so they're very um, useful and helpful in all areas of the hospital. Um, but she was saying that this person always seems to have a complaint about something, whether it's the schedule or a mistake that she made that she's you know, making sure everybody knows that she did and woe is me or um, is frustrated by decisions that are being made by the hospital leadership and is sharing that with everybody. Um, and the struggle here was that this person used to be one of their main cheerleaders. She used to be the person that lifted everybody up and was really excited about everything. Um, and the feedback was she's amazing with clients, but in terms of interacting with the team and each other, there's been this big change. And 
um, she was saying she felt like she couldn't figure out what had changed or why things were feeling uh, negative. They've been doing regular uh, check-ins and one-on-ones. She's had reviews. She hasn't gotten any solid feedback about what's going on with her, but she is really um, frustrated and starting to wear thin in terms of the ability to cope with this person and was wondering, how do you, how do you deal with it when you have a negative Nancy on your team? What, what do you do to tackle it? Right. I like this question a lot. I I think this is a, I think this is a common thing that we deal with in practice. The thing that I would really emphasize right here is the transition from being someone who was very positive to the negative Nancy. I think that's what makes this unique. So the way I would handle this is different from the way I handle it. If the person has always been negative, they've always been a complainer. They've always been down on uh, what management is doing or what the practice is doing or, or whatever, because this person has the capacity to be very positive and being very uplifting. And now they're not. And so let me just highlight that because that distinction super important in how I'm going to approach this. So today, let's focus on the person who has fallen off the positivity wagon and let's talk about getting them back on. Okay? okay. Perfect. I love I love this problem. Uh, I, I just I just really enjoy these conversations because again, there's some conversations that are challenging, but once I feel like I have the angle that I want and, um, I can feel good about that angle. I'm raring to have this conversation. And this is one of those conversations. Um, the head, so headspace for me is this. Um, everybody knows we're going to say happy Afro. I'm always going to say happy Afro. That That's, uh, we will happy Afro it for sure. And we'll get into what that means in a second. Um, but compassion first. That's what I like about this conversation is Get out of your own head. Get out of your own self-interest of like, I need this good, I need this person to be a good employee and get into what's going on with this person where she was so happy and she was so upbeat and now she's not. What's going on? Like let's let's take care of her. Let's dig into what's happening. Let's let's show compassion for her. And if we show compassion for her, we can help her and that will resolve our problem. As well. Mm-hmm. That's why I love this so much is mm-hmm. I get to totally come at this from the compassion headspace as opposed to the um the uh the the negative feedback headspace. Right. And that turns the whole game mm-hmm. over. So when we start looking at this person and go, I've got to go talk to this person and we're they're gonna have to change their behavior and I'm gonna have to tell them that they're letting the team down and that I just I can't take their attitude anymore. You can go in with that headspace, and a lot, a lot, a lot of people do. Psh, throw that up, throw that junk away. No, go in with the positive, compassionate headspace and say, I'm worried about you. I want you to be happy. I want you to be healthy. I want you to um, go back to being the person that we all know and love mm-hmm. that was so successful here. I want you to have a successful career, and that other way was the way forward what can I do to help? How do we get to the bottom of this? Yeah. And now I can go straight in. I can have that straight conversation with them. I'm not shy about it. It doesn't feel awkward to me. Um, All those little things go away. And it's just a radically different conversation. 
That's why I like this case so much. If this person had always been a negative Nancy, this door is not open to me because I'm not saying I want you to go back to where you were or I'm worried about like if this is the person behaving the way they've always behaved, then I don't have this compassionate pathway, not not this specific compassionate pathway open to me anymore, but I do have it here. So let's use it. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And when I was kind of thinking through how would I approach this, um, one of the first questions that I ask myself when I'm thinking about dealing with a team member like this is, um, does this have anything to do with me? And, and I always think about like your happy Afro, I happy hallucinate. And so when I'm thinking about a problem with a team member, one of the questions I'm asking myself is, am I hallucinating that this has to do with something that I'm doing wrong or that the team isn't giving them? Or the, I, I think about the, the fault and the blame on my own side. But one of the things that is really important here is that as human beings, nine times out of 10, when you think that someone's upset or frustrated or whatever, it has nothing to do with you. It might not even have anything to do with work. And so for me, it starts with hallucinating that there could be something else going on here that I don't know about. And because we're human, because we have a relationship, like you said, because this has been a person who in the past has been the cheerleader and has been the awesome um, supporter of the team. I know that they can be better than the behavior that is currently occurring. And it makes it a lot easier to get in that headspace to say, Hey, I need to connect with you on a human to human level are you okay? What's, yes. what's going on? How can I help this? And that, that approach reinforces a positive culture. It's me saying, I care about you. Look, and you put your, you put your finger right on this guys, 99 times out of a hundred. It's not about you. It is right. not about you. Think of all the times in your life that someone, uh, you were at a, a party, a holiday party or something and, and somebody was there, or you saw this person and they just seemed like they didn't really want to talk to you and you left and were like, what, are they mad at me? Did I do something wrong? Is this about that time that I said I would walk their dog and I didn't make it, I didn't make it over there because work stuff got in the way? Are they mad about that? Like right. the truth is, no, they had a bad day at work or they have a migraine or they're worried about a sick relative and they just don't want to talk in general. And you happen to be there. So they didn't want to talk to you. Guys, that's the vast, vast, vast majority of these situations. I think a lot of times we take it personally. We say, this person doesn't seem happy at work, which must be my fault because I'm the boss. And now I feel defensive and I feel attacked. When in reality, this person is just going through some stuff at work, at home that we, that we don't know anything about. So right. it's probably not about you. And the more that you sort of accept that, the easiest conversation is to have. Now assuming that it might be about you does make the conversation maybe a little bit easier. So let, let's just talk about happy Afro real fast. So we talk a lot about, we use this, this tool a lot to get into the right headspace. Happy Afro happy guys. I'm going to go talk to this person. I like this person. They've been a positive cheerleader in our practice before. I want to see them get back to that. I don't know what they're going through, but I, I like them and I want to support them. So be happy going into this conversation. I'm going to sit next to them, not across the table from them. And then the Afro part, um, assume good intent. 
I am going to decide this person is probably struggling. They are probably doing their absolute best, right? Have they been set up to fail? Which means, um, is there something in the practice that's making them unhappy? Is there a policy? Is there something that's just consistently making their day hard or bad? Have they been set up to fail? What's my responsibility here? What is my role? Am I doing something? Am I um, setting up the practice in a way or am I managing in a way that is really frustrating this person for reasons I don't understand? Maybe, maybe I have a role here. Maybe I have a responsibility. And the last part is outcome. What is the outcome? What do I want to happen? And here again, I think a lot of times we think to ourselves, well, I want this person to apologize for being so negative. I want them to apologize for being a jerk. I want to stress that when we think about the outcome, the past is in the past. Outcomes are about the future. I want this person to change their behavior going forward. I can't change the fact that they were negative Nancy at the staff meeting and kind of pooped on everything that we were doing. I don't like that. I wish that they would apologize for that. That would be nice. But really what's truly important is that they don't do that again. Yeah. That, that they're positive and supportive going forward. So the outcome mm -hmm. I want is to change future behavior, not to reap justice and vengeance for past transgressions. A hundred percent. And, and I think, um, I think I, I, I agree with you entirely. And I think in this case, um, this person was talking about the fact that they have maintained an ongoing chain of communication with this person like they have been trying to figure out what is what is going wrong so they have had meetings to talk about issues that she's brought up they have had um one-on-ones and reviews and so they're the part of what is so frustrating is they feel like they've had multiple conversations and they still have no idea why this is happening and so for me one of the questions that may seem super obvious but for a a lot of people is not is have you just point blank asked like there is no point in hypothesizing and hallucinating and working yourself up about what may or may not be truth have you have you point blank had a, a conversation where you said hey you do not seem like yourself what is going on and if yeah. the answer to that is no then that's where you have to start yeah you you can't, you can't hallucinate. You can't hypothesize what, what you might be able to control, what you might not be able to control. You have to get the information from that person. And so for, for our friend who was asking this question, she's obviously trying, she's engaging with this person. And so maybe in some of those one-on-ones, maybe in a review, maybe they have asked the question and said, Hey, what's going on with you? And maybe they haven't gotten an answer because part of what she was saying was, I feel like I've tried to get supportive and I have tried to figure this out and everybody else seems happy and fine with changes and things. So what is going on with this person? I can't get it out of her. Why things have changed. And yeah. so to me, the answer would still be, okay, I still think you need to sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them and ask them point blank. Hey, you just don't seem like yourself what is going on because how you ask makes all of the difference. Yeah. And there, so even if you have asked in the past, 
if you haven't approached it, like you said in the beginning from the space of you care about this person, they are human. If they didn't feel that or hear that, it can make a tremendous difference in the information that you get back from them. There's three mistakes that people make in this scenario. Okay. Three big ones. Number one is uh, you talk about you and you talk about your practice instead of talking about them, which is super easy in the moment because you just had this staff meeting and this person had their arms crossed and they rolled their eyes at what you were talking about and you just want to throttle them and you just, you want to get them in the end of the room and say, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting this way? Why are you undermining my staff meetings? Why are you treating me with disrespect? What, what is, what is your issue? And, um, this is not okay. You're hurting the practice. When you do this, you're damaging our business because we can't communicate to the other uh, staff members. You're making it so that we can't make changes that we need to make. These are the emotions that, that we tend to have. And I just want to validate the heck out of those emotions. If you're having those, that's easy to feel. I, I have come out of meetings before with people that I love and care about. And I have wanted to put my hands on them and just be like, shake them. Why are you doing this? Why are you undermining what we're trying to do? That's not healthy and productive. The thing is to say, I'm worried about you. You seem to be having trouble, right? You seem to be struggling. I, how, how can I support you? And ultimately you will get a much better outcome if you force yourself not to think about yourself and not think about the practice, but to empathize and be compassionate towards that person. So that's mistake number one is very easy, very understandable. I think about myself. I think about the practice. I don't flip it to a a view of compassion for that person. So that's mistake number one. Mistake number two is not having the conversation. And that happens a lot because this person is super, they're super happy. They're super positive. And then they, they become negative Nancy one day. And we're like, I mean, that's not her normal thing. That's just, it's just one time. You know what I mean? She's having a bad day. I'm not going to say anything. And then she's fine for a week or so. And then it happens again. And you go, well, I mean, you know, everybody has a bad day, like once a week or something. And you don't have the conversation because it's an awkward conversation. But what's happening is shifting baseline. Shifting baseline is um, the norm was that um, Amanda is positive every day. And now the norm is she has one bad day like once a week. And you know what I mean? Like now that's just normal. And then over time she has two bad days a week. And we're like, well, that's not that different from one bad day a week. And now, now we got somebody who's 40% of the time is having a bad day as opposed to they used to be a shining light. And we haven't had the conversation because it's just been a one-off here and a one-off there. And that's when we look around and go, wait a second. Two out of five days, she's at 40% of the time she's in a bad mood. And I haven't said anything yet. And now it's weird to be like, hey, you seem unhappy 40% of the time. Right. It's because we didn't have the conversation early on. And if you come from a point of compassion, you can do that. The first time the person shows up and they're negative or they eye roll or you hear them say uh, bad mouth on a client, which they don't do. You hear them say, talk trash about some one of your clients. Yeah, that is the time to say, hey, 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 that's not like you. Are you okay? What's going on, man? And that what's going on? That's not like you. Are you okay? 
that is a great way to approach the person. You're coming from compassion, but you're also doing it at the very beginning. And it is amazing, guys, how often we head off a pattern of behavior by just saying this the first time that we hear it. And again, people don't want to do it because they think it's awkward, because they think, I'm going to go tell this person, hey, I need you to stop being negative. It's not awkward if we say, hey, this isn't like you. Is everything okay? And so mistake number two is not saying something early on, right? And Mm -hmm. mistake number three that gets us here is not, um, it's, it's focusing on symptoms and not diseases. And we talk a lot about this, where there are conditions that need to be addressed that just like a disease, it's like a disease that a pet has. We don't treat the fever and the cough, you know, um, and the lethargy. We find the infectious disease that's causing the fever and the cough and the lethargy and we treat that, right? right? And so what happens is, we get caught up on uh, Amanda is, uh, she said negative things about a client. And then Amanda was rolling her eyes at the staff meeting. That's a different thing. And Amanda is now is showing up late. And now it's a tardiness thing. The truth is, if you address, try to talk about each of these things... It feels like I'm nagging. It feels like I'm nitpicking. I'm all over Amanda about all of these different things. And nobody wants to be that person. And it doesn't feel productive. And now Amanda's frustrated. And she's like, you're all over me all the time about everything. Right. That's because you're trying to manage symptoms. There is something going on with Amanda. Don't get trapped in talking about the symptoms. Don't get trapped in conversations about her being 10 minutes late or her rolling her eyes or her bad-mouthing clients. Something is wrong. Talk about that. Hey, you're not yourself. What's going on? You seem unhappy or you seem, um, you, you know, you, you seem, you seem just generally negative or you don't seem to be enjoying what's going on. What is up? And the truth is, Amanda's uh, going through some marital troubles or, uh, you know what I mean? Or Amanda's uh, burning out or she's getting depressed or she's really have, or there's a bully in your practice that you don't know about and Amanda's not handling it well. And, you know, and she, her, her struggles with that are manifesting. Any of those things might be the case, but here's the thing, guys. If you jump on every symptom, then you end up having one conversation about being late and one conversation about rolling your eyes and one conversation about bad-mouthing the, the clients. And the truth is, guys, you should have three conversations about Amanda's not being herself and she really seems down and these are, not, these are negative behaviors. And what happens is people really struggle to escalate these conversations when they're a tardiness conversation, an eye roll conversation, a client negativity conversation. So we're just playing whack-a-mole with symptoms instead of being like, hey, this is the third time that we're talking about you being negative in the clinic. We need to resolve this problem. And so a lot of times people stall 
in where they're going because they're taking the whack-a-mole approach instead of rolling things together into the underlying cause approach. Yeah, I I think um, the other thing too that we have to talk about is um, you're you know you're so right in if you are addressing the disease and and from the information that we are given here, it sounds like this person actually has tried. Like they have had one on one conversations, they have had meetings, they've really been trying to figure out what is causing the problem here. And they haven't gotten the information out of this person. This is where I need to flip it for a second and say, from an HR perspective, it is perfectly acceptable for your team members to have boundaries. And if there is something that is going on in their personal life or is going on with them and they choose not to discuss it, that is, that is okay. Totally. It, it doesn't mean that you don't still need to address the symptomatic behavior because you absolutely do, but they can very um, respectfully or even without saying anything, draw a boundary line for themselves and say, I don't want to talk about this. Now, this yes. is where we as, as veterinary practice leaders often do a really crappy job of having any understanding understanding or boundaries when it comes to HR, because a lot of what we tend to do is rush into getting into our team members' personal lives yep. and getting involved with things that we shouldn't we sh- we shouldn't be discussing with them. Um, and when you work when you work in a company that has a legitimate big company business structure and has an HR department and stuff like that, you have people who have specialty training who understand what they can and cannot talk about and cannot say and and very. Um, much more successfully can negotiate those those uh, stormy waters, but also get your employees the help that they need. And this is an area where we struggle as a small business owners, but as an industry as a whole is understanding that there are actually rules here and there are things that we don't need to, to know about. And this is one of those areas that I struggle with um, as, a, as a manager when I see other um, manager friends saying, Oh yeah, I just had a conversation, you know, with, with Amanda about her marriage. And she was telling me about, you know, this, this, and this, and it's like, okay, I get that you're a small family practice and I get that you all know each other really well. And you've been working together for 10 years, but at the same time, like that's not a conversation that you need to be having from an HR perspective. And so, especially if you have an employee who's like, I've got a lot going on. I don't want to talk about it you need to be very respectful of boundary lines that are being drawn, whether they are being vocalized or not. So if you have point blank asked your employee, Hey, what's going on? I, I am worried about you because your behavior is not yourself. And they're like, there's nothing going on. Or especially if they say, I don't want to talk about it. You need to be an advocate and let them know what resources you have available to help them. So like if you are a practice that has an employee assistance program, this is an ideal time to make sure that they know that they they have access to that. But you also need to be very careful about respecting their boundaries. And if they don't want to talk about something, or if they start to share something with you, you are not there. You are not trained. You do not yep. have qualifications to be a therapist. So don't do it. You can you can listen and then say it sounds like it sounds like you could use some professional support. I want to I want to support you as your as your boss as as a leader, but I am not. I'm not qualified to help you with this. So let me, let me direct you to someone who can, um, because it's not really your job to sit there and have that 
that co- personal level kind of conversation with them. And I know we have probably a lot of listeners who are lo- who are like, but we are a family and I care about them and I want to help them. I completely understand that. You also have to understand that from a from a legal and professional perspective, it's not your job to get involved in their in their personal lives. It is your job to help support them and lead them to the to the professional um to the professional help. So have the conversation by all means. But if you're someone who's like, we're a family and I want to help them, remind yourself that that you don't have that training and that you are doing your best by helping them get that help somewhere else. Because the last thing that you want, and and I, I know that a lot of us have seen this, is practices where everybody is everybody knows everybody else's business and there are no secrets and it's like you know uh family gossip central where it's where everybody's just involved in everybody else's business and that is that is not um a professional way to run a business and so i have to have to speak up (laughs) here and say let's let's talk about that yeah okay this is important um guys check this out so what happens a lot of times and i'm glad you brought this up when I start to say, come at this from a point of compassion, because this is the effective way to come from it, I think a lot of people imagine going down that road, and that means, oh, Amanda's having a divorce. Let's talk about her divorce, and now we're talking about this, and we're supporting her. I didn't say that, okay? Now, here, this is what people need to realize, and, and, and honestly, some people really need to get over the head with this. So hear me when I say this, all right? Think about a spectrum, okay? A spectrum. On one end of the spectrum is the employee telling you exactly what's going on and sharing uh, all their personal information with you about, oh, the reason I'm down is because of this thing with my marriage and there's, uh, you know, I've had a history of uh, mental illness and my family and abuse and like, like just really like, I, I think we can all agree, like, you go, whoa, that's 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 outside my pay grade. So um, on one end of the spectrum is the employee sharing everything with you, right? Okay. On the other end, so that's no personal boundaries on the side of the employee. Right. Mm-hmm. At the other end of the spectrum is the employee sharing nothing with you and you not saying a word and not having any boundaries and letting them do whatever they want. And you don't do anything because Amanda's having some issues or she's having some problems or she's got some home stuff. And so we are a hundred percent going to fold to whatever she wants and resist her in no way. That's you having no boundaries. And that is also a terrible idea and a terrible place to be. Okay. Healthy is in the middle where we share some information, we care about each other, but sh- the employee has some boundaries. They don't they don't want to mm-hmm. share with you all of their personal stuff because you're their boss, not their right. friend, not their therapist, not their husband, not their wife, not their family member, right? You're none of those things. And at the same time, you saying, I care about you. At the same time, I care about the rest of the team and the business that we're running. And I care about you within 
the context of we need to run a healthy business, we need to take care of everybody, and we're a team, which means I cannot let you hurt other people on our team. That's not okay, right? So that's the spectrum that we need to keep in mind. And I see people who are like, we're a family practice, and the employee doesn't have any boundaries, and now we're all up in their business. And I see us on the other side of, I don't want to be upsetting to people. Yeah, I don't want to advocate for myself. And she's going through some stuff. And so I'm going to let Amanda become a bully, beat up on other people, treat my practice like crap, ignore the rules that she doesn't like because she's got some something at home that I don't really understand. But but she's got some stuff. And so she's just going to walk all over us and our business and cause fires and cause drama that I'm just going to deal with because I don't want to hurt Amanda's feelings or, or, or advocate for myself. Yeah. All right. Neither of those things is okay. So let me, let me bring this back to the action to the next steps, right? So we approach this conversation from compassion. What's going on? We talk about the disease. We try to get to that, not the symptoms. The disease mm-hmm. becomes your attitude has changed. You're, you know, you're being negative. And we need to speak in specifics because if I just say, hey, come in here, let's talk. You're, you're really being negative. They're going to say, no, I'm not. Right? right. I need to talk right. in specifics so I can make my point. Ultimately, what happens is the disease either becomes you're having a pattern of negative behaviors, or if we're having our regular check-in meetings, the disease is you and I have talked about negativity and you keep saying you're going to change your behavior and you're not doing it. Right. Right. Your unwillingness to change your behavior even though you say you're going to, that becomes the disease. That becomes the conversation that we have again and again. Not you're rolling your eyes and you're coming late and blah, blah, blah. It's you keep saying that you're going to stop, um, you know, undermining what we're doing or stop being negative. Right. And now you're not, and you're not doing it. So you tell me you're going to change and then you don't do it. That becomes the focal point, right? Right. Now. Right. We come with compassion say, I'm worried about you. I want you to be happy here. I want you to be right. successful here. Okay. At When I'm having these conversations, say, I'm worried about you. I have no intention of fixing your personal problems. Right. And I'm just going to be real clear and real candid here. I am not trying to fix you at home. I'm not trying to get involved in your marriage. I don't want that. I got, As you heard at the top of the episode, I got my own marriage stuff going on. <laughs> That I got to deal with. I don't need your stuff. Right? I keep shooting myself in the foot and dealing with that problem of, uh, of, of keeping things going at my own house. Don't have time to carry your baggage for you. Right. Okay? And that may sound harsh, but that's true. That doesn't mean I don't care about you. I want right. you to be healthy. I want you right. to be happy. I want you to be successful. I am not going to wait into your marriage for you. Not interested in doing it. Not trained to do it. Not going to happen. And so you say, well, Andy, what does that mean? What if I say, hey, I'm worried about you. And the person says, well, this is going on and this is what I'm really struggling with. I am going to refer you to the help that you need. Right. Right. Which is why I'm such a huge fan of employee assistance programs. People come in and they like, they want to talk about what's going on at home and what they're struggling with and things like that. I hear that and I want you to be happy. And 
That's why we have an employee assistance program that lets you have four or whatever it does um, therapy sessions per issue per year that we pay for. I can right. I can get you help. Maybe um, we have we have some uncharted practices that if somebody's struggling with those sorts of things, they'll pick up the tab for a service like BetterHelp. You know, where um, the person can have a, a a therapist that they can talk to unlimited number of times a week, and the practice will pick up the tab, and it's two hundred bucks a month or something like that, and say we're going to do it for six months. W- whatever you want to do, I'm not your therapist, and I'm not trying to be your therapist. But the great thing is. When I have that conversation, this is another reason why EAPs are a great management tool, is when the person comes in and they say, I'm struggling with this. I've got this thing at home. Um, You know, my parents uh, are having these problems and blah, blah, blah. I want to be compassionate to that. And then I want to say, here are the resources that we can provide to you to help you with this so that you can get these things under control. And I'm not trying to be cold when I say this. But morally, I feel good about that because I feel like I'm stepping up and saying, here, here's some resources because I want to help you. I said I cared and I do care. But also pragmatically, if this continues to be an issue, we can talk and say, hey, look, we've got you these things. Are you, us- are you using these services? You don't have to tell me if you are or you're not, but they're here. You need to know that these services are available and that continuing to bring home stuff into work is is not is not okay. And that's, again, that's that middle path of, Hey, I I want you to have boundaries. I'm not trying to pry into your stuff. I want you to know that these are the resources that we have. And if they don't want to tell you what's going on, that's great. I can still say, Hey, don't forget. We have an employee assistance program. These are the, these are support features that we have for you. These are the things that we're willing to do. And after I lay out all the things that we do, I'm going to say, Hey, we cannot continue to have conversations like this in practice. These things cannot come to work with you. Do you understand? Know that we love you, but you, the rest of the team can't be negatively impacted by this. If you need more support from us, if there's things that we can do, let us know. We want to work with you and support you. But again, home stuff needs to stay at home and work stuff needs to be at work. And, I can be compassionate. I can be caring. I can ask what's going on. And here's the other thing too. 99% of the time when you say, hey, is everything okay? What they're going to say is something like, my uh, my wife is traveling for work and I'm single dad in it and I've got two young kids and I'm working full time at the clinic and my in-laws are keeping the kids or picking them up from school and that's stressful. I'm just, I just got a lot on my plate this week. That's usually yeah. going to be the answer. Um, right. The the severe problems at home that's that happens. It's it's generally not the norm. But again, right. come with compassion and then refer to resources. You are not a therapist. I'm not telling you to wade into their drama. Don't don't do that. Give them the resources, and then if the thing conti- uh, continues, we can say, hey, look. I'm giving you these things. This is the support we have. If there's other things that we can do to support you, let us know. Otherwise, home has got to stay at home. And now we can go into our feedback model that we've used in the past. Now we can start to have increasing severity in our conversations of, hey, this is the third time this week that we're talking about leaving home at home. You keep saying that you're going to do it and then you're not doing it. 
And now we're going down that path of, um, of disciplinary action. We may be leading up to writing up and things like that. Well, and I feel like for using the feedback model, this example actually tees it up perfectly because um, our friend was sharing that this is a person who has some really amazing qualities. They, they were a cheerleader, but, but they also are amazing with clients. They're really good at their job. They're cross-trained. They're helping in all areas of the practice. So for me, it is really easy to, once you have had the beginning half of the conversation that you just laid out, then move into the feedback model in a very positive way because you want her there. You believe in her. You think that she has been a star in the past. So tell her that. Tell her that you care about her, that you appreciate her hard work and dedication to the practice that that you have seen her do X, Y, and Z and give her some examples of things that she is doing really well. Even now when things are struggling, what are the things that she's doing? Well, that gives you a really easy place to start the feedback model and, and be specific about things she's doing well, and then tell her about the specifics of what she is doing. That is not tolerable, whether it's you know, you're now you're coming in late or you're talking negatively about a client uh, when you leave an exam room or whatever it is, you need to tell her that when you do this thing and be very specific and clear about an example that you're giving her and then tell her how that's affecting uh, her, either her performance, her, um, her relationships with her teammates, her relationship with, with you. If she's rolling your eyes at staff meetings after you've uh, you know, laid out a change that's happening in your practice and everybody else seems fine, but she's sitting there rolling her eyes. Tell her how that, that makes you feel. Um, and then you need to ask her for her help. You need to get her on your team because the end result is either she's going to continue doing what she's doing and work against you, or she's going to get on your bus and you guys are going to be able to move forward together. And so for me, that becomes, I, I need your help. I was wondering if you would be willing to, and then tell her what you need her to do or change. Um, and then ask her, do you feel like that would work for you? If you have a conversation, a feedback conversation that you approach from that perspective, I have almost never had someone look at me and say, nope. Yeah. Like, like this doesn't happen, right? Like when you tell somebody, I care about you, you are a rock star. Here's the things that you are doing that are awesome, that I appreciate, and I, I respect the hell out of. Here's something that I need you to change. It becomes so much easier as a human being to look at that, to look at that person who's giving you that feedback and say, maybe there is some truth to this. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, I know that they care because they've just told me the good things. Now your brain is able to process a little bit easier the things that someone else is telling you that are, that are quote unquote negative, that are negatively affecting them, that are negatively affecting the team. It just becomes a little bit easier to hear and work with as a human being. Yeah, totally. Fluff their pillows, tell them all the great things they do. Tell them about how, um, how amazing they've been in the past, paint a picture of the future. The ultimate outcome is, is this person, if this person, sorry, is struggling with some stuff at home or they've got some other things going on. Um, I would like work to be a refuge for them. Mm-hmm. I would like them to feel like they are good at their job and um, and they have opportunities here and that we do meaningful work. And I'm sorry stuff is, is bad at home. I want you to be happy when you come here. 
you know what I mean? And, and maybe I can help make work into something positive for them where they can leave home at home and come to work and, and feel good and interact with the team and people who like them and, and they can excel and they can find a reward here. That's what I would like to create. Yeah. So that's it. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. Start, start with the positive, make sure that, um, that we're celebrating them and, and, and go from there. Well, and I think hope is not all lost here. I think our friend who shared this approached it um, from a very positive place. Like she was like, I care about this person. I want to make this better. How do I fix it? And so I think if, um, I think she was also already doing a little bit of her own happy afroing about it. And mm -hmm. so I think, I think the way that you need to approach it is to sit down and think about, do you, do you know what's actually going on? And if you haven't asked the question, you got to start now and you've got to be point blank about it and say, what well, <laughs> you know, I'm worried about you. What is going on? Yep. Um, be, be human, connect, connect with them, remind them why you care about them. Um, and then if there are disease things that are happening, you have to treat the disease itself and it's, you can't go, like he said, whack a mole all of the symptoms as you yep. go sit down and have the, the feedback model conversation and say, Hey, I need your help. This is what I need us to fix because we cannot engage like this in a business setting. I need you to be professional, whatever it is you need to give that, give that feedback in very clear and specific ways so that they can understand that you're trying to connect with them and yet hear what you need to have happen. Yeah. The, so to sort of summarize the practice, uh, was very, they were very uncharted in how they had already come at this with, uh, I worry about this person. I'm having check-ins with this person, you know, they, they were already, and they already, they had a good, clear headspace perspective. For mm -hmm. them, the stuff that I really wanted to sort of emphasize was roll these instances together into a disease so that we can have consistent conversations about one, one thing, you know, one, uh, the behavior change, the uh, desire to, to not lead or wh whatever, however you want to sort of put that together into a package so that we can continue to come back to a thing um, and, and we can go through our feedback model about this behavior, however you want to quantify that, or uh, that okay. behavior. And so I, I think that was the big thing for them. Uh, the last thing that I want to say for everybody, and this is the last trap that catches people in this specific case, because this person has been great in the past, sometimes we really struggle, uh, with the idea of, of parting ways with this person. If they're not going to get back uh, to where they used to be, uh, we re and and I think you can see the lot. The easiest metaphor I think for people to process is the relationship that you had when and you remember how great things were when it started, you know, and things were awesome and they were wonderful, and the last year has been crap. But I remember how great it could be. And I remember how wonderful it was. And it is difficult to say that was wonderful. And that was really great when it was really great. Mm -hmm. But we have obviously moved apart. And I don't know why exactly. But we have. And that seems to be over. And we have tried to get back there. And we can't get back there. And so now it's time for us to part ways. 
and to go find something else. Mm-hmm. And that is really hard. And that's hard in relationships. Obviously, that's why I bring that up is because I think we've all kind of been there probably at some point. Right. And sure. I mean, it could be a friendship relationship. You go, this person was wonderful. Right. And, and now they've right. just become toxic and I just can't be around them. But you remember right. how much you used to enjoy them and how how much they meant to you. But at some point you got to say that was then and I, we've grown apart and, and I'm sorry, but, but, but continuing to invest time and energy here is just hurting me. Same yeah. thing with these employees. It, it can be really hard when you say, ah, he was going to be the best technician we ever had. He was going to be the one I brought up to be a manager and he was going to be amazing. Yeah, well, you thought he was, but right. it didn't play out that way. And that's right. life. And so the sunk cost fallacy, you know, of, oh, we've been together for so long. I can't, we can't start over. Yeah, you can. You know, right. if that's what you need to do. And, and yeah. that is, that's what separates the Jedi from the Padawan is, can you make that call? And say, I have talked to this person. We, I've told them that I care about them. I've given them the resources that I can give to them. You know, we've repeatedly talked about this. Can you make the call and say, this behavior is not getting better. If anything, it's getting worse. I do not have a good reason to believe that it's going to get better based on what I'm seeing. Right. And and this person is damaging our practice. Right. And so I am going to in this relationship and move right. on. And it sucks so much when someone shows you that they could be amazing and they just don't want to, but guys never forget. You cannot make people do anything. Right. You do not have that power. And if they won't do it, then you cannot make them. And if you think that you can, you are setting yourself up for failure and disappointment and frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that was a, that was a good one. That's intense, but it's true. You know, I I, oftentimes if we intervene early and we catch this early, we can make this into a massive positive. We can, we can take care of our people. We can get them the resources they need. We can support them. We can let them know that they're important. You know, we can protect the culture. We can grow the culture. Uh, We, we can, it's a massive opportunity to support people and show them that they're cared about and they're more than a number. Yep. At the same time, uh, we do not control people's home lives. We are not their therapists. We are not trying to go there. If they don't want the resources that we're providing, if they don't, you know, if they're not uh, willing to leave home at home, at some point we do make the call and say, I am protecting the culture. I am looking at the good of the team and I'm sorry if it doesn't work out with this person, if that's what has to happen for me to protect everyone else in the clinic and make sure that they have a place to work that has the culture that I want it to have. Sometimes we have to make that call. So hopefully it won't get there, but guys, this is just like a relationship. I hope that you can make something wonderful, that you can build those relationships, you can build those bonds, you can be the best friend ever, and you can be supportive. But at the end of the day, you got to set boundaries and you got to take care of yourself and and, and you got to take care of the people that you care about. Yeah, 100%. All right, buddy. Well, thanks a lot for talking with me. I really appreciate it.
Yeah, that's a good one. I will uh, talk to you again soon. Sounds good. See you soon. Bye. Take care, guys. Guys, that's our episode. As always, we'd super love it if you would drop a review of our podcast into the iTunes store. That's right. iTunes is where a lot of people find us. Uh, it only takes a moment, but it does mean the world to us. Also, if there's somebody that you think our podcast can help, please just text it over to them and put it in their mind. Uh, I just I just want this to be helpful. That's, that's really all I want. Gang, if you have questions for us, speaking of helpful, send them in. Podcast at unchartedvet.com. That is podcast at unchartedvet.com. Stephanie and I will take the best crack at your question if we can. Send us enough detail so that we can really be useful. And if you have a pseudonym that you like for yourself, you can tag that on as well. Gang, until next time, be well. <laughs>